Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Team It Up with CNB on another fine Tuesday evening, giving you the world of sports. I'm your host, C, that stands for Connor, as always, with my co-host, V, that stands for Vladdy. Vladdy, tell us about yourself. Tell us about your life the last week. Um, Actually, I had a pretty pretty great weekend. Also, I'm par- pardon me, I'm about to cough up a lung. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, I'll, while you're coughing, I'll keep the storyline going. All right. Uh, while he coughs, uh, welcome back to another episode of Teen It Up. On today's episode, we're going to be going over the PGA Championship, um, the NBA playoffs, or what's left of them, I guess you could say, and the NHL playoffs as well. So some playoff talk, um, some dominating series so far, as well as um, what was Brooks Kepka's return to glory in the PGA Championship. So a lot coming at you this episode. But for now, let's hear what's going on with Vladdy. Yes, I apologize for that. Um, that was kind of one of those things where you have a tickle stuck in your throat yeah. that even the coughs can't get outside to run to the yeah. bathroom and drink some water to kind of get it down. But like I said before, I lost my mind. Had a great weekend. Got to play golf Friday and Sunday. Um, Sunday was a little bit of a nightmarish round in the sense that it was a six-hour round. Our tee time uh. was 2.48. We didn't tee off till like 3.30. Oof. And the course itself also like really pissed us off because they had, they kind of like split tee boxes on one and ten, and we're like, hey, no one's on ten. Can we start off the back? And the course people were like, no, no, that's gonna that's gonna mess everything up. I'm like, no, you already messed everything up when we're 50 minutes delayed. Yeah, so, that's absurd. Yeah, no, it was unacceptable. It was the like first and last time that we're going to be playing Stony Creek Metro Park Golf Course for the Shut year. Yeah, um, it is what it is. Which is a shame because it's kind of a nice course, uh, diff- interesting layout, kind of di- different approaches and different types of holes. Not all the same thing. But um, got to watch Fast and Furious 10 on Friday night uh, w- with some buddies. Had a blast with that movie. Um, that's kind of my guilty pleasure, my Transformers, if you will, where most people love to shit on it. They'll call it this, call it that. And I've always argued, listen, if you expect something good and something cinematic and something kind of wholesome out of fast and furious like you're in the wrong spot and you're the person who's an idiot like they know what they are they market it that way and it's brilliant yeah i i've never seen a single minute of any of them but you're right they do lean into and they know their crowd and there's certain franchises that are have been able to do that without kind of losing who they are because those are definitely in the minority now because i feel like a lot of stuff as it gets like I don't want to say Disney and eyes like Star Wars comes yeah. to mind. Like, we just kind of lose st- Harry Potter comes to mind. Um, we just kind of lose the storylines and go off in so many different directions that we lost what the what made the original kind of series or movies or franchise so wonderful. So yeah. they do do a good job of that. It seems like. No, uh, completely agree. But how about yourself? How was how was your week? And how have you been the last week? I've been good, man. Um, back on that nine to five life. Oh yeah. Um, like I said in like multiple podcasts leading up to this, I was looking forward to the nine to five life, and then you get to the nine to five life, and you're like, "Fuck, this is <laughs> the weekdays are a freaking grind." Um, it is nice to not have to like worry about anything on the weekends. I didn't do anything this weekend. I watched a whole lot of TV. Um. And didn't really move. Didn't really move too much, to be honest. I went for some walks. Worked out Sunday. Other than that, I didn't do. I I didn't really leave my couch. So nice. Um, I guess that's always good to have once in a while, since 
Um, we're both traveling this weekend that, and I'm sure I'll get a lot of my social clock taken out of me. Um, so it's good to kind of recharge the batteries going into it, I guess. Absolutely. Um, as far as the episode, I know I mentioned it. Let's start with the PGA championship. Um, a certain member of the podcast is two for two in majors calling the champion. I picked John Rahm for the Masters, and this week was Brooks Kepka, showing you why he is the most dominant player in majors in our of our generation of watching golf. Um, I don't want to hear this Rory McIlroy. There's an argument he's the better, best player of his generation, has more wins, has been a more consistent overall, has been that superstar since stepping on the tour where Brooks isn't, was very isn't Rory a little older though? So like isn't that kind of he's, an he's a year older exactly. They have the same birthday. One singular year? 30 34 and, and Brooks Kepka's 33. Oh wow. Okay. I thought there was a bigger age gap. So I was gonna try and maybe find some flaw in that logic, but no, go, go carry on. No, it seems like that because Rory was like 21 and came onto the tour hot and was the best player. Uh, Brooks Kepka was like four year, four year college guy had to play on like this random European tour. Got his like PGA card, not into his like late mid to late twenties sucked his first like two years on the tour and then went on his little major run. Mm-hmm. So that it seems like they're off because they're major timelines. Like Rory won his majors, like 2012 to 2014, nine years since it's won. I might add, Brooks had that 27 to 29 to 2017 to 2019, and he's come back now in 2023 and proven why he's the most dominant major player. Uh, he's he becomes the 20th. Uh, there's only 20 players that have won five majors. He now joins that list. He's now one shy of Phil as far as uh, current players that or active players still kind of going at it with more majors. I don't really consider Tiger Woods active at the moment. Um, as far as got current guys that you, that we paint in the golf world as far John Rahm is two majors, Justin Thomas, two majors, Jordan B three majors, Rory McIlroy, four majors, Dustin Johnson, two majors, um, Scotty Scheffler, one major. Uh, so you're looking at basically every name from the young guy, Kyle Markow are two majors. The young guys to all the guys that are even a little bit older than Dustin Johnson. Um, and he is more than all of them now. After a dominating performance, I, it delivered, Sunday delivered much better than the Masters, I thought, and that it was it was pretty much neck and neck between him and Hovland, although like his just dog in him and mentality, just like he hit clutch putt after clutch foot. It was a one-stroke ga- game, I, game, game. Um, tournament. Um, until the until the bunker, fairway bunker on the 16th hole decided to come alive for Victor Hovland, um, and eat his ball. Uh, it it just kind of felt like he was going to win it the entire time, even though it was a nail biter. Even though he did have to hit it on 13, he had to hit a 10 footer to save par to stay a stroke ahead of Hovland. Uh, even though Scotty Scheffler did shoot a minus five and ended up only two strokes back, uh, it just felt like Brooks Kepka. When he's on, when he's healthy, I said it the week before, you didn't listen to me. He's the most confident golfer there is. There's no one who doubts it. He puts it lights out. He hits bombs. He's so he plays so fast getting to the greens. Uh he's just electric. He he's turned on me because I've always kind of been a and I still think the attitude is rubs people the wrong way. But like I saw the dog given as opposed to just like the cocky guy that hates golf. 
would rather be playing baseball, wants nothing to do with the sport. No, he's a dog. You saw how much it meant to him. He's a freaking dog. I'm going to say it again. He's a freaking dog. I'm going to say it 30 times. If he's an animal, he's a dog. I don't know if you have anything to add on Brooks Kepka. So, yeah, no, I've al- I've always been a fan. I've never let the attitude rub me the wrong way. As a matter of fact, I've always said that it's good for sport. the sport. I know you're kind of on this topic as well. Where yeah. He's not the Rory. He's not the Justin Thomas kind of robot where he says nothing. He shows up every other week, collects a paycheck to finish in a certain spot, and then walks away and you never heard from him. He is a guy who's never afraid to make his feelings known. He is like you mentioned the dominance. He is kind of seen as that like golf terminator where you see him rolling through like on a, on a Friday and you're like, Oh, he's going to be rolling for the next two days and we can't stop him. He, um, you look at, you, you look at the masters. There is this, there is the argument where if Patrick Cantlay was still not finishing up his round as we speak a month and a half later, maybe he could have done something. Um, you look at, I guess it's kind of tough because Kiowa in 2021 where Phil uh, kind of hung out. That was the one where people were like, oh, is Brooks Kepka broken, this and that. But no, he's he's, he's injured for that too. What? He was injured for Kiowa. He had a knee issue for Kiowa. I, oh, I, yeah, I remember that. He couldn't, he couldn't like, he couldn't lay here. He had to like fully lay down for putts because he couldn't squat to like read. Yeah. I remember that. But, you know, it's. You, you you've mentioned it the healthiness the mentality I, um the the quote that always comes to me was I want to say it was the 2018 or 2019 PGA Championship where he's sitting there ta- talking to himself he's like how many people are in this field 150 you got to think 80 of them I'm just better than you got to think from the next 70 half of them won't show up then you think from the 35 that are left some of them won't be able to keep it going and then any he, he kind of dwindles it down, dwindles it down. He's like, and when you're left with it, I got to beat 15 guys. That's it. And it's just that thought process, the arrogance, the the confidence, wherever you might find yourself in that line. If you like him, you'll call it confidence. If you hate him, you'll call it arrogance. He's sensational. Absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy to me because three full swing aired three months ago and you saw this insecure, lost his game, totally unconfident Brooks Kepka. And to have all the injuries the last two two seasons and to come back with this much confidence, learning from the Masters and his choke, he admitted he choked. Um, and learning from that just proves even more what kind of what we've been harping on is that mentality is the ability to come back from injury, the ability to come back from choking the Masters and have that much confidence. It's the strongest, best mental golfer since tiger woods yep it's the most terminator since tiger woods it you is. mentioned you mentioned the learning from failures I, I remember seeing a couple quotes where like you say he's open about saying i choked away the masters he's open about that he's not going to shy away from it he's not going to get mad at you for saying that he's he's the first person to say he choked and he's the first person to learn something from so 17 top 10s and 35 majors yeah no it, it, he's absurd um Beyond just the Brooks Kepka kind of serenade that we've been going on for about five-ish minutes now. Yeah. Um, I think I want to say a couple of things. You had mentioned the course was kind of tight and long and it kind of wanted to play like a US Open. And dear lord, that course looked brutal. I mean, they had a 250-yard par three on the first and yeah. second day. And it's you're thinking to yourself, like, how does that even happen? Yeah, and I think it's gonna be kind of, I mean, minus nine is a 
fairly low score, not crazy low. For, it's somewhat about normal for a PGA, I guess. But and that's going to be people are going to see it not as difficult as it was because it did play so uh, player friendly on Sunday. Yes. But the rest of the week, uh, scores were high going into Sunday. There was only eight guys below par. Um, I believe uh, the Michael Block was story he was like in eighth place at even par going into sunday so that it speaks even more to how amazing his story was it played hard it did kind of lack the uh, i heard some experts talk about like the dramatic moments because it was just long and tight and if you were in the rough you were just fighting for par because it was notoriously long and that's not quite as exciting on tv as like like 12 in Augusta, 16 on Augusta, or there's like the water effect where it's either in the water or not in the water. Yep. You take a stroke or you not take a stroke. There's in kind of that wow effect to just a ball just sinking in the rough. That's just for the the viewer in far, as far as dramatizing the event. Yeah. Um. You mentioned Michael Block. We got to talk a little bit about yeah. him. Like he almost arguably might be a bigger story than Brooks Kepka and golf. Yeah. Right now. Um, what is he? A, 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 a pro a pro at some country club I, I don't know what is like what, what was his status again if, if you know a little bit more than me so he's a club pro at a public course in southern california okay uh, he's 46 years old he has played in some like not pga tour events but he's won like his section uh to be this um whatever to be the tour pro that gets 20 tour pros get it's kind of like the amateur thing um, yeah. With the U.S. Open and the Masters, where a bunch of amateurs get in for qualifying. Uh, this is their thing where, like, these PGA Tour pros, which are basically, like, the your club pro at your average golf course. Mm-hmm. Uh, each course typically has one. Uh, they qualify, and there's 20 of them in the event. Um, and he, it sounded like he's played in multiple PGA cha- – like, he's, like, a stud for this. But, like, he had never even sniffed oh, yeah. the cut, let alone – uh, playing with Rory McIlroy in the fourth to last group and dunking a hole in one on Sunday um, and getting an invite get, or going up and down from the gallery at 18 to get the top 15 to get an automatic bid into next year's tournament. Just awesome. Couldn't have wrote it better if you were a Hollywood script writer. Awesome stuff. Great story. Seems super humble. I mean, I will say he's like, a bit of a crier. I know they kind of try to set him up with the, the waterworks, like in all the interviews, but he, he, he was emotional. And honestly, you like to see that you like to see someone that it means so much to. Um, yep. And he's, I don't know if you saw, but he's invited to the, like the two, the RBC Canadian open. And then the Charles Schwab this weekend, both gave him sponsor exemptions and he's uh, invited to play in those two events. So we're going to see mean- him this weekend. Yeah, that's I did see that. I saw it kind of and like the way he handled that phone call was really cool when he was talking to whatever organizer or guy that was calling him was great. Um that dunk on what is it, 15, 16 or on 15 was one of the loudest crowd reactions I think I've ever heard. Um I mean, It was so cool because he didn't know it went in and he was like, Oh, I think He's like, that looked like a good shot. Should be like, should be within like 10 to 15 feet. And then he goes, Rory came over and gave me like a hug. And I was like, oh, is he like, he's giving me a hug from hitting the green? Like, this is odd. And then he kind of like took a step back after. And he's like, did it go in? And Rory's like, it, it fucking went in, man. Yeah, and no, so, that was, that was sensational. Awesome. Um, I mean, talk about kind of like changing your life. Um, 
I'm assuming his lessons are going to become a lot more expensive. Uh, I, I think I heard some stories where his caddy was like, oh, um, Pebble Beach has been reaching out to us for special events. These have been reaching out to us for special events. So that's kind of one of those where shout out. I mean, I'm not going to say couldn't happen to a better guy because we've seen four days of this guy playing golf, but he seems like a sensational man and it's going to be awesome to kind of watch him going forward. Yeah. So he finishes tied for 15th and he'll yep. uh, be back next year. So anything else? I, I uh, Yes, I did. I, I wanted to say kind of um, another strong showing for the live three guys yeah. in the top 10, five in the top 20. You obviously got the winner. And I think at some point, if this continues where they're dropping in handfuls of guys in the top 10, 20, when you consider that they're a 10th of the size of the PGA tour. Yeah. I think at some point it won't happen because of the backroom politics that the PGA plays with the OWGR, but at some point the OWGR has to start giving them points. You can't sit here and call these guys bad golfers when you watch them show up and be good golfers and beat the supposed yep. good golfers. Um, so they only, so Brooks Kepka was 38th in the world going into this weekend. Uh, just from winning the PGA championship, he moved up to 13th and he'll stay there until the U S open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, it's it's a shame that that's happening um we'll see what happens with everything i know there's a Ryder cup this year and yep. they're they've been talking about kepka most most notably kepka after the two performances at the majors but we'll see what happens with some other kind of american and european players should they do something wild at one of the majors and we'll see yeah i know i know they this is the one thing where they haven't really made a final decision yet no one really knows how to how to go about this? Like, can the live guys play? Can they not play? So some guys get point. Like, if the some guys, the captain doesn't even have to pick if they have enough points. Okay, they get in and they're on the team. And Brooks Kepka, I think, just needs to make the cut in the U.S. Open, and he'll, he'll have enough points from finishing second in the Masters and first in the PGA, okay. uh, to where like they're gonna have to let him in by their own points rule. Okay. And then it will become well, if we're letting the guy in off points. Do we let the captains pick live guys that they think should be on the team? Yeah. Which is a much more subjective standard to where they can they can basically say in my mind, like, oh, we don't like Bryson DeChambeau because we need another good wedge player and he's he's a bomber, not a wedge player. Like you could always yeah. nitpick stuff like that. The point stuff you can't. It's objective. He's objectively made the team. Yeah. Um it'll also be interesting for Europe, what Europe does as their original captain was squashed kicked out of his his role for joining lib so how are you going to what was it polter i don't think it was polter it was someone else garcia Uh, no maybe it was let's google it (laughs) you know i mean i'm 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 a little i I know obviously they've got if we're talking who does the live have the live does have a really strong international presence which makes sense considering a decent majority of their tournaments are international ones, but I actually really, I, I don't know who it was. Uh, Henrik Stenson. Ah, okay. Uh, so yeah, so they, he was supposed to be the captain. He joined live and they kicked him out. So now it's like, well, you kicked out. You said a, a live player couldn't be the captain. And now, cause you, you see the, say the U S lets Brooks Kepka on and, and Bryson DeChambeau on like, now do you like, now what? Like, do we let Europe? Or is Europe going to start letting those guys on because they need to compete? They're already way worse. They got 
curb stomped at Whistling Straits two years ago. And they're going to get curb stomped again. Um, this is one of those things where I think the boom in golf, and we can definitely talk about this later in the year as the Ryder Cup approaches, but I think the boom in golf in the United States um, post kind of with the, with the COVID shutdowns, it hasn't even, I don't even think it's shown its head yet. I think the amount yeah, of no. people that got into it and the amount of people that will continue to get into it, I think the United States is set for an absurdly dominant run of uh, Ryder Cups. Yeah, and, I agree. And, uh, and then it's not even, I wouldn't even call it near future because like I said, it's it right now you've got the people who like got into it recreationally, but there's going to be the next generation of young guys who got into it because they weren't allowed to play football. They couldn't play soccer because laws told them they couldn't at the time. They got into golf and there's going to be some kids who come out with talent and it's going to be scary and it's not going to be scary for the U.S. Yeah, it's just like two. I mean, eight of the top 10 players in the world right now are American. Yep. Roy McIlroy and John Rahm are the only ones that are not. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that top 10 does not include Brooks Kepka. So I I was actually kind of including him. I mean, Uh, like you think like. I mean, the top 10, I mean, Cameron Smith is actually Australian, so he doesn't play on either team. <laughs> He's in the top 10 right now. Yeah, no. I, He's an interesting one where the uh, world golf ranking has actually benefited him because he just kind of slow. Like, if you don't play, you move down a lot slower than performing poorly in, say, like a PGA Tour event. Okay. So he was like fourth, fourth in the world. Going into the year. And so he's moved to like, I don't know, eight or nine just because he doesn't have any points. And he did, he did pretty well at both the, I think he was like top 20 for both majors. So, yeah. But he also does have the points from the open that where if he doesn't, let's say, defend that, I assume he'll lose and then he'll drop. Yeah. That's what I mean by he was as high as like third or fourth going into the year. So it was hard to knock him out of the top 10 just because he hadn't played. Well, he had played just on the live tour. Lots of golf talk. I'm actually kind of impressed uh, how much we got there. Do we move on to the the two sports playing uh, playing some playoffs? Though, yeah, they're not very noteworthy playoffs right now. Yeah, kind of a, a stinker. And I'll start with hockey because there isn't a, too much to say. In a weird like hockey's reversed, and that I said the last round we had some good series and not a lot of good games, a lot of blowouts last round. It's been completely the opposite. And we have two kind of bad series, three Oh and a two Oh series yet. We've had uh, four overtime games and a one, nothing game. So we've had five good games. Theoretically, we've just had them all go in the favor of the same teams. Um, I think the most noteworthy obviously is game one for Carolina, Florida went to four overtimes, uh, the sixth longest game in NHL history. Um, from what I saw, I didn't stay up that late. I can't make it up that late these days. It was it was on until 2 o'clock in the morning. It started at 8 o'clock. Uh, just sloppy, pretending to lots of very safe play after the first overtime from what I heard. Um, and that's capped up by Matthew Kachuk scoring. I don't know if you've seen the highlight. He's, he, so Matthew Kachuk scored the overtime winner in game one and game two. Um, I don't know if you've seen the clip of him, his celebration both times has been, let's go, let's go to the locker room, let's go, boy. And, and he, sp- he sprints off the ice and into, like, the tunnel, and they all just sprint off the ice both times because they're like, fuck, we've been out here forever. <laughs> so that is a pretty funny celebration. He's been awesome. It's between him and Sergei Bobrovsky. I mean, I've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast alone. Uh, $10 million goaltender was a multiple Vesna winner prior to signing with Florida two and a half years ago. Lost the starting job as as 
as recently as this year and has been the best goaltender in playoffs. I mean, he's been absolutely dominant, pitched a shutout on Saturday – or, sorry, um, last night. No, I'm I'm but, laughing at the word pitched as if uh, he keeps he, pitching as if he's, if he's a pitcher in baseball. Yes, That's sometimes I struggle with I struggle with the verbs and like switching sports. He he pitched a shutout. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, he he gave he gave him a shutout. I don't know. He delivered a shutout. He stopped the shutout. I don't know. Whatever you would say, he's been <laughs> magnificent. He him and Kathy Kachuk have been awesome. Uh, they're a cool story just because they were kind of the last wild card seed to get in. Um, we'll talk about the heat later, kind of a similar deal to that. Uh, and then they obviously upset the Bruins in the first round, the Leafs in the second round. They're nine and one since being down three one to the Bruins. They're now nine and one in the playoffs. They're up three oh. Um, they look like they'll get it done. I don't see Carolina's gonna put put up somewhat of a fight. They just that's the way they play. Yep. Uh as far as the West, haven't seen a second of the series. Um, I predicted Vegas to win the Stanley Cup. It seems like they just kind of another two overtime game. Uh, both ended very early in overtime. Jack Eichel has emerged into a playoff superstar. He was the guy picked behind Connor McDavid in 2015 and kind of came with a ton of expectations as like being stocked up next to McDavid and obviously has had some neck issues, um, which led to kind of a um, – a controversial departure from Buffalo over to Vegas. Um, but in his first year in the playoffs, after playing for Buffalo for six years and then being terrible, he's turned into this great playoff performer. Um, and it'll be really cool to see them move on. I think they're, I love to see in those cool, cool jerseys. So that's all I got. Pretty jerseys. Dallas. We'll see. I think Dallas gets it done tonight and makes this one a series. I don't think this one goes three Oh four Oh. Um, but I do think Florida wins in four or five. Yeah. Um, I, as always, I don't have much hockey to kind of add. I'm more the basketball guy, but any, any last words on the hockey stuff before, before we get to what might, what might be even more boring. No, man. Uh, there's not as much, like there's not as many games to talk about as we had say two, three yep. weeks ago. So. Yeah. Well, I guess in that case, I'll I'll take us on over to basketball. I'll start with the Heat and the Celtics because the series is still going on. They'll be playing and they'll be tipping off in about half an hour. Um, Boston look absolutely shambolic. Um, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are the textbook definition of beta athletes, in my opinion. Um, whereas Jimmy Butler is what you call an alpha. Yeah. I mean, you've watched him kind of take receipts. You had game one, Al Horford doing that little timeout celebration. And then in game three, Jimmy Butler does it back to him when they're up by 50 or whatever it was. And even getting a T and he's like, well, I don't care. You you see him getting into it with Grant Williams and Grant Williams screaming at his face. And Jimmy Butler's just kind of staring at him, smiling like a lunatic. And it's just like, it's so impressive. He's We've talked about it. He's such a likable guy. You mentioned Terminator, Brooks Kapka golf, Terminator, Jimmy Butler basketball. He's kind of, I think he's kind of taken up that Kawhi Leonard mantle in the playoffs where he's going to get it done. He's going to stomp on your head. And to be honest, um, we could, if we go back to last year, if he didn't take kind of an ill-advised shot, they could have been in the finals again. But that's not the point. We're talking about this year's series. Um, you have game one 
which is kind of a heat masterpiece where they kind of went into Boston and stole the game. And you thought to yourself, oh, well, they stole home court. They can they can get back to Miami at 1-1 and they'll feel great about it. And then game two happened. And it's like, wait a minute, they just won this one too. What's going on? And then game three happened and you're like, wait a minute, they just beat Boston by 60. And you're thinking, what's yeah. going on? And honestly, game three was actually so bad. I think it should, counted, it should have counted as two losses. If... If the other team's fans are chanting "We want Haslam" in reference to a 42-year-old Udonis Haslam, who, to be honest, retired from basketball about eight years ago, but has stuck around on the Miami Heat bench for that long just to be a veteran-like presence and kind of another the assistant young guys. coach, essentially. Yeah, effectively, yeah, he's assistant coach without taking up an assistant coach spot. That's that's actually yeah. a perfect uh, that's a perfect kind of explanation of it. If you if the other team's chanting we want Udonis Haslam, you might as well walk off the court because that's sad in a playoff game when you're considered the more talented team. And what's funny is they sit there and it's like, oh well, Joe Missoula is not a good coach, and it's like, well, no one called Joe Missoula a bad coach when they won sixty games in the regular season. No one yeah. called Joe Missoula a bad coach when they beat Philadelphia. It's it's so it's so pathetic to me to see Boston fans like that just turn on a coach. Turn what a when you have superstar babies like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown who can't sit, find a way to play with each other, and they're not like, even babies. I'm starting to think they're not even babies anymore. They've been in the Eastern Conference Finals for half a decade. I'm more meant like soft and just oh, like don't yeah, have okay. it in them. Yeah, like crybabies essentially that they and they can't find a way to play with each other. Like one of them has one of them has to go. It's kind of like Toronto where it's like we got to get rid of them eventually if they can't win together. Uh, you might want to look at getting those two on a different team because they clearly don't gel enough together. And, like, why is the coach different? Egg, the coach means the least amount in any other pro sport than probably the NBA. I, Maybe I the would, MLB. Maybe the I, MLB. I, wouldn't, I would tend to agree, but the only thing I will say, though, with the coaching is I think defensively coaching matters with how you set up, how you make adjustments, and kind of on the offensive end, I completely agree. The offensive end is give it to your best player, run a pick and roll, and let him make a decision from there. But I think on the defensive end, coaching still is kind of very important, and that's where you see Eric Spolster as a top two to three coach in basketball, just yeah. running circles around basically everyone True. they've played so far. True. But I, I know what you mean, and Boston, I probably agree with it. It's just, yeah, and it's just Boston fans in general just – it's just such a bad look how much of babies they are. You go down 3-0 one series, and you act like this is like, A, you act like this is the, like is an excuse for everything, and like this is the end of the world, and this team will never do it. And it's 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 like you, it, they don't know how to lose. It's not like they don't. They don't know how to lose. They, yep. They've had four franchises that have been successful and pretty much everyone for a long period of everyone there's lifespan. And they don't know how to lose. They don't know how to be like a fair sport. And they just act like a bunch of children on social uh, media and like all the Celtics fans. It's like just pouting and moping and just take your lickings like every other sports franchise, every other sports city in America does. Yep. No, um, you mentioned the, the, the franchises. I mean, can you imagine growing up post 2000 with the Patriots? I mean, granted, the Celtics only won one title, but we say only. I mean, the Red Sox are there. The Bruins have been perennially good. And yeah, you're completely correct. It's when you win so much, you forget how to lose and you just look ugly and all of America cheers against you. And then you try and yeah. play the victim card. It's like, no, you kind of did this to yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you, you the one thing you did touch upon is 
assuming this series ends tonight in a kind of embarrassing 4-0 sweep, I think you start looking around and you're thinking to yourself, is this the end of the Brown-Tatum kind of duo? Because like you say, are they are they both too soft together individually? Probably. Now, does that come because they individually are too soft? Is, does it come because they don't push each other because they're too buddy-buddy and not enough Jimmy Butler dog in them? It, I think it will be very interesting. I assume the series does end tonight. I think Miami is an absolute – I don't want to say wagon, but they're just – they're on a train that doesn't have breaks right now. That they've got four undrafted dudes playing like in, important minutes in Struce, Robinson, Gabe Vincent, and I think it's Caleb Martin is the last one. You've got Jimmy Butler. You've got the veteran presence of Kevin Love. I mean, they've got Cody Zeller showing up from who I don't even think he's played basketball in half a decade. And he's playing good minutes for him. And it's like, where does this even come from? It's it's amazing, the Miami Heat. Um, I forget someone. I might have been – I don't know who it was. They made an incredible point where it's like all these years later and you lose LeBron. Like the Miami Heat have been able to rebuild. Oh, it was, it was my dad who said this. If you think about it in, in the last 20 years, the Miami Heat have successfully rebuilt about four times. Yeah. You I mean you get Dwayne Wade, you win a title with him, then you're bad, then LeBron shows up, you win a title with him, though that was not exactly a hard rebuild to do. You just had to sit no. there and accept him as a free agent. Then he left, Dwayne Wade got old, Chris Bosch health could not keep playing, and then you rebuild again and you show up with Jimmy Butler and you make a finals, you make an Eastern Conference finals, you might make another finals, you play incredible, fluid you play pure basketball. The Miami Heat are incredible, whether that's Pat Riley, whether it's Eric Spolstra, whether it's Jimmy Butler. That entire franchise, in my opinion, is so commendable for the way they do business. In like a, in like a market – Miami's a big market, but Miami's a market where like if you're not good – it's a fair-weather sports town yes. like a lot of places oh, are, yeah. to be honest, where like if you're not good, you're really not going to hear anything about it. Like it, it, people, there's a lot to do in Miami, and the Heat aren't always number one. So. There is a lot to do in Miami. It is, it's, it's a very international city. Um, yeah, you can go skiing there, and it's in Miami. You can go skiing in Miami. Yeah, you can hit the slopes. Okay, I see now. <laughs> okay, understood. Um, like Brooks Kepka at the yes, at the game. Like Brooks Kepka at the hockey you, game. Have you seen the clips of that? Yeah. Oh my God. So on that note, we are going to move to the Western Conference Finals, the series that's over. I don't want to spend too much time talking about. That was him. <laughs> yeah, for those who can't see it, Connor's imitating Brooks Kepka in the camera right now. But no, the Western Conference um, sweep. Uh, the Nuggets were clearly a better basketball team, and they showed it. Um, I actually think game one, the score doesn't really accurately resemble how one-sided it really was. Um, the Nuggets were kind of up by 15, 20, 25 for most of it. And then somehow miraculously in the fourth quarter, the Lakers came back and made it a one possession game before, before losing, I think it was by six. I mean, it, it was kind of crazy how they controlled that game and then ended up letting the Lakers back into it. Game two was closer. And to be honest, the Lakers kind of led for the majority of the game, but at the end, the better basketball team made better basketball plays and came out with a victory. And 
game three was kind of the Jamal Murray game where he yeah. couldn't miss. And I mean, he was doing these crazy, just kind of like Kobe fadeaways, the every basically everything short of that little the Jokic tomahawk one one legged fading away thing that we saw him do twice in game four last night. I mean, Jamal Murray was a maniac. Um, again, kind of like similar to game one, the Lakers briefly made it close in the fourth, and then the better team made better plays. And then game four was probably, in my opinion, the best overall basketball game the Lakers played, and it still mm. wasn't enough. Um, you had LeBron attacking. Yep. Had you had you actually you had some decent kind of role players ability. Tristan Thompson coming from nowhere as a guy who didn't even play in the regular season was signed on the last day before the playoffs started. Showed up and probably played more important, better minutes than Anthony Davis, which is a big issue, and I'll, I'll get mm. into that. Um, but yeah, I mean LeBron dropping 40, 10, and nine, but he played the entire game, and you could tell in the second half he was cast. I mean, mm. he was such a secondary character in the second half, in the in the sense that he dropped thirty points in the first half, only ten points in the second. And not only did he not drop points in the second half, he wasn't even really participating on offense. He was standing in the corner waiting for a catch and shoot that never came because they're because he's LeBron James, they're not going to leave you alone. Or he was sitting at the top, basically at half court, letting other players go. And I think the kind of the epitome to show how tired he was on Laker free throws, he didn't even go to the front court. He was just hiding under his own basket because he's like, well, why walk up there if I just have to turn around and run back? He, I mean, and I don't blame him. He's four, he's no. 39 years old in year yeah. 20, playing 48 minutes a night. That's it's so impressive. Yeah. Um, it kind of. I think I think this series kind of showed uh, another beta in Anthony Davis where Anthony Davis can show up against the Warriors when Draymond Green is guarding you because you have an eight-inch advantage and you can just kind of dunk it over his head. And then Jokic showed up and Jokic just ran circles around him. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't want to play the could have, should have, would have, but the Lakers probably should have had at least one win over those four games and you, you could – say hey don't sweep us at least gentlemen sweep us give us the courtesy of making us think we have a chance for a little bit but it was it was kind of interesting and kind of like boston i think the lakers are looking at a a roster construction standpoint and think, thinking themselves is lebron and anthony davis a duo that can win us a championship um i'm going to be honest i think that answer is no because i think anthony davis is way too inconsistent i think anthony davis is way too mental midget he's way too weird comments by lebron too oh talking about I, the... I did want to get into that um to be completely honest i didn't want to spend too much time on it based off what i heard last night but then i heard something today which to me actually maybe signified more so for those who might not have seen it, uh, last night he en basically ended his presser with, I, I, I'm going to consider all my options about retirement, coming back for another season. And to be honest, I just thought that was kind of a typical LeBron quote, keep the attention on himself, this yeah. and that. Because if you really think about it, he had spent all those years saying, I want to play with my kid, I want to play with my kid, I want to play this with my kid. Yeah. To quit one year before that opportunity materializes doesn't make sense to me. To quit before you get your retirement tour doesn't make sense to me. But then this morning or this afternoon, whenever it was, he came out and said, this has always been my goal to play with my kid. But if it is not his, I am okay with that. 
And that to me is something that speaks a lot more than anything that's been said so far is. So he said that a little bit in the past. Okay. He said that earlier in the playoffs. I, I remember hearing that earlier in the playoff. The, the, if he, if my son, does, if my son doesn't have that path, that's not his path kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I had never heard it. And so to me, that kind of maybe sounded like maybe there is some kind of feeling where, if you're if you're Bronny James and you're gonna you're gonna be a one and done at USC and then into the draft, do you really want to be the guy that walks in and as soon as you get drafted, it doesn't matter where it is, you could be pick sixty, but the first thing that's gonna be said is, oh, you were only drafted so the team could get your daddy. Right. Do you really want to deal with that? Do you really want to like? And I this is where I'm gonna probably open it to you because I think the other sports are. But in our in our lifetime, have we really seen a father and son play together? I know the Griffies did. I don't know when it was. Yeah, it was, was like the early two early two thousands. We've never seen it in football for obvious reasons. I've never seen it in basketball. I don't know if it's happened. I feel like it's happened in hockey, but way back in the days of like Gordy Howe playing till he was eighty. Yeah. yeah. Like, I just this is such an unprecedented situation Concept. that. To to ask a kid to like go through this, I completely understand why he might not want to do it. And this is where I think there might be some truth in the LeBron being done. But with that, I, I mean, you're, yeah, go on. Yeah, no, I just took like the last night's thing as like you said earlier, like just kind of keeping the spotlight on. And you're asking him the question after he just got swept in the conference final, like playing 48 minutes, basically gave everything he had, 40 points, like. Yep. Yeah, he's probably gonna be like, "Well, shit, I just that I'm tired, man. I don't like why would I want to put." But like after like also like you said, he's kind of harped on this thing for a couple of years now with the brownie thing, or with the me playing a couple more years thing. To me, where he him to get him kind of still in the moment to say that is a little more of an emotional take than him. Like I take more precedent in like the years of him saying it with more of a um, cool head than yeah. the, the night of. Um, not as premeditated emotional comment. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that I will say, and um, I think it'll, like, you, you can love him or you can hate him. I think it would genuinely be an injustice if that was LeBron's last basketball game with no, I agree. Farewell, no farewell tours, none of that stuff that you've seen other legends walk away from the game with. Like, that. I mean, that's not even as bizarre as, like, Tim Duncan just openly writing a letter at midnight randomly in the summer saying, hey, man, I've retired signed tim duncan and then he walks away in typical duncan fashion like yeah it's also like not like you said typical duncan fashion like this isn't it wouldn't be a lebron way to go no exactly is to have the fireworks go off for him and that's where even if let's just pretend like he doesn't play next year which i don't see like this is kind of a, a glass half full perspective let's say he takes a year off goes and does some other stuff lets the body recharge comes back and does play a year with his kid. And that's, I mean, does he make that his retirement tour? And does he, cause like then you're taking the spotlight away from your yeah. kid in his rookie year. I guess what I'm saying is it could, it could be better for him to take a year off. He is old. He has, he has been beaten into the ground over a career of playing deep playoff run after deep playoff run. I mean, maybe a year off isn't the worst thing. You come back fresh in 24, 25, whether you play with your kid or not, you go on that retirement tour that you've earned and then you walk out the door and then you start aiming for ownership the way Tom Brady just did with the Las Vegas Raiders. Maybe you maybe you bring an expansion team to Las Vegas. I don't know. 
but I just think that he's done way too much for basketball. He's been the face of two, three generations of players. He's been to not, again, I, I cannot accept that that was his last basketball game. So. Yeah. But like, I also get the point of like, is it like with the Lakers situation is, is he going to have a chance to get any better than going out in a conference final like that? Maybe not, but I, I think, I think for him, the the whole winning basketball and playing winning minutes might not be at the forefront anymore. Um, yeah. It's not like he's chasing one last ring. I mean, if he was at five titles and he wanted to chase Jordan, maybe I get it. But at four, you're not winning two more. Two, yeah. yeah so I, I think for him – Hi, Kobe. Yeah, I, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I, I think with him, I, I don't think that's going to be on the forefront. The forefront for him is just kind of what it's always been. It's LeBron James, the family man, like – he again. He would love to play with his kid. But if his kid doesn't want it, he's not going to do it. And then maybe he doesn't take a year off. Maybe he does the typical NBA regular season where he finishes in LA. And whether they make the playoffs or not, he'll say thank you guys. This has been my career, and he'll walk out the door yeah. whenever that season ends. I also think some of the Barani, like if he doesn't want to do it, if he doesn't want to, is almost like a putting a safety blanket under the fact that he there's a very real chance he's not good enough to be a one and done. Yeah, I mean that that's one way of doing it. Like like I said earlier, you take away that possibility of people saying, Oh, you're only here because of nepotism. You you, you took the spot from someone who should have been here. It's like, I mean, you know how social media is, you know how people are. Like that's gonna come right away if you were to go into the draft. Right. And I more mean also mean like like what if you just get like is like a seventh guy and like off the bench for USC this year and like just like doesn't put like is okay but like clearly oh, I, mean, I don't think he's that bad um from what i from what i've read i think we talked about this whether it be last week or a few few weeks ago he i think he's made leaps and bounds from when he was a younger high schooler and people kind of said oh well like we see this from him but i think with him growing a little bit more and developing a little bit more of his game i think he has turned into a potential nba player so i i will say that I'm highly doubtful he's actually good enough, in my opinion, to be a one and done player. That's just that's the, no, the safety. I, and I don't think that's, totally that's certainly not a hot or bad opinion. It's just with that name, there's always going to be so much associated with everything you do, and it's 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 incredible. Yeah, yeah. So I got him, Brownie James, until yeah. he heads to USC. I mean, I don't, I don't really have much more for basketball either. Um, I figure we could save an NBA finals preview for next week because I'm pretty sure win or lose tonight, whenever this game is, or whenever this, this heat Celtics series finishes, there is a kind of like 10 day buffer between now and the start of the NBA finals. So Are you I'm, kidding me? I'm, I was I, the NBA finals start June 1st. So I guess there's an eight day buffer. Oof. Well, I guess they like that's, it, I mean, it's built in. You you assume that maybe yeah. one of the teams wants to win a game. You don't. You don't. Yeah, play that's sweets. true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, you would think they'd move that up, though. They could. They could. But I, I don't know. That I think that's a little tough when you. I don't know how it's you work tickets around people who might be planning trips around to have hotels. But sure. I, I don't know. Maybe they do, but I assume they don't. We can all watch baseball for a change. Yeah. 
as the Tigers purgatory, st- purgatory land of still a couple games below 500. Continues. Second place in the Central. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't have too much more uh, today. I think this might be a little bit on the, on the shorter side in terms of an episode, but. Yeah, no, I'm good. Uh, it looks like the hockey game's about to tee off. See, see what I did there? Another wrong sports uh, reference. Is that is that going to be our new running joke for the summer? Just how many wrong sports references can we make? Yeah, I'm going to make it my joke, my dad. It's going to be my dad joke of the summer, I guess. Oh no! <laughs> Comment below what yours is going to be, guys. <laughs> All right. So for me, as always, go green. Go white. Hit the ball really hard. <laughs>